0: Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today we have a fantastic guest for you, Matt Piceni. And he actually has a background as an actor on Broadway and has done a wide variety of different films in that industry. And so it's super exciting to see his journey on how he transitioned from becoming a full-time actor to now a full-time investor and operator of thousands of apartment units. In addition to that, he is the author of the Backstage Guide to Real Estate, which has recently just become the number one in the bestseller categories. So we are super excited to have you on the show, Matt, to share your journey and how you released this awesome, amazing book and you know the struggles I know that it has taken you to write this. This book and put it out there. So welcome back to the show, Matt. Oh, thanks. It's
1: my pleasure. Thanks for having me back on.
0: Because I remember when we first had this conversation, it was almost a year, a little over a year ago when you were just, you know, in the middle of putting your, together the book and writing it and putting together some ideas. And then now it's become a real life thing. I saw your post earlier today also about the books being received, like they had just recently been delivered also as well. So you're getting the hardcover back books. So talk to me a little bit about how that feels now to your life's work being put into something real and tangible.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's really, really super cool. And you're right. I just got the book like literally a few hours ago, and I unboxed it online. Right. And so it's, it's a paperback version. The hardcover is going to come out in a couple of months, but yeah, super exciting to have been working on something for, I worked on this book for 20 months. So between writing and then all the editing and everything that goes on, it's, it's quite a lot of work and quite a learning curve. And to actually like be holding the, the final product, it feels really good. And it's being very well received, which is very, very nice. Cause ultimately that's, you know, it's, I mean, sure, it's it's my book, but ultimately it's for people to help people. And so it seems that it's starting to help people. Those who've read the advanced copies have said really good things about it. And I'm hoping that once it goes in the wide release, which is uh, February 9th of 2022, I am hoping that it will help a lot of people be able to sort of change their lives a little bit.
0: As you're putting together this book and really diving into your background, your story, sharing it with those people out there and helping them learn from the lessons that you've learned along the way, what has been the biggest eye-opener for you that you learned about yourself and what was the biggest takeaway that you had?
1: Well, um, I'm not sure if I could could quantify it in exactly one thing. The the whole process of writing the book was a big eye-opener for me. I thought back at it goes into sort of my whole life. Most of the journey that's discussed in the book is over the past six years when I've been doing real estate full time. but there's a large portion of the book that that even goes back to, to the day that I went to preschool. And so there was a lot of things in my life that I learned that have been built one upon another upon another. So going back and kind of like rethinking through your life in detail, it did open my mind up a lot to, I guess, sort of appreciating when I learned certain things. You know, I'm I'm 48 years old, I'll be 49 in March, right? And so I just am sort of who I am. And I don't think I ever really went back and figured out kind of when I learned things. And so that was a really eye-opening process for me. It also helped me get really clear on um my values and who I want to be in the world. And Again, I feel like I was always doing that, but I'm more concrete on like where it came from and really what I want to do and, and I think sort of what my purpose is moving forward. Um, so those were really great things that came out of writing the book. The other thing as part of all of that, through that exploration, I realized that I wanted to rebrand my company and the name that I'm sort of was putting out in the world because i had created a company called mjp property group which are my initials and it's fine and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it but it didn't really get it sounds like sort of this large company and you know anyone could work there and what does mjp stand for and that whole kind of thing and it's really what i found through this exercise of the book and also through talking with existing investors that have invested in my deals in the past was the thing that came out most of all was that they all feel that I'm very approachable. And and that's what I'd like to be. I'd like to be there to help people. And so that's how I kind of came up with this moniker of Backstage Guide, which ended up becoming the name of the book. And then it was also the tagline for my company, Your Backstage Guide to Passive Investing. But I just changed the name of the company to Paceni because that's who I am. I mean, it's me. It's not some large organization with thousands of people and all this bureaucracy and things like that. It's its just really simple. I'm a regular guy. I'm not driving around in a Maserati, although I think they're very cool and love to have one maybe at some point. But like, I'm just an average guy who focused on real estate and has done pretty well with it.
0: Yeah, I would totally agree about the approachability of where you come from. I've had the pleasure of talking to you several times and walking you through and just the value that you tried to add to the people around you. I think it's incredible. I I think, you know, you come from a place where you're trying to educate people. And I think the way you wrote your book, it really shines through because when I took a look at it, I got. I got the pleasure of taking a sneak peek at the book ahead of time. Uh, So what I think, what I really appreciated about what you did with it was, it was almost a read, like an autobiography, like a backstage version of Where you came from, you as a person, you know, and like you said, it's not like a big corporation or something like that. It's really just Matt Matt Vacheni and his journey, and here are the lessons that he's learned. And you know, let me share it with the people around it and see how I can help and add value to other people so that they learn from you know what I've taken away through my entire journey.
1: Yeah, you know, when I first wrote the book, the main impetus for the book was I had a meetup. And I was running when I lived in Boston. So I just moved back to New York and I'm going to start one here. But in Boston, that meetup had started originally with like 20 or 30 people. And it got really large. We would have 100, sometimes 200 people at some of our events. And a lot of people who had invested in smaller multifamily, like maybe a two unit or a three unit or a four unit locally in Boston, started to get the idea of, well, gee, maybe I can invest in one of these larger syndications. And they would come to me with deals that they found with other sponsors and say, Hey, Matt, what do you think of this? And so I would spend time and go through it with them and point out things, you know. I would never tell them do this deal or don't do the do the deal. I, I never do that. But I might say, Well, you know, as a passive investor, and just for those who don't know, two-thirds of my portfolio are deals I'm passive in, right? So there's there's a third. I have a big portfolio that's over 2,000 units that I'm a general partner on, but the other around 6,000 units, I just, I don't, I'm a limited partner in it. So these are questions that I would ask a sponsor. And so what happened was a lot of those questions were the same and there was a lot of people coming to me, asking me to review the stuff. And it became like a lot of time and I decided I wanted to write it all down on paper so Uh, selfishly, I guess, that I didn't have to spend so much time with everybody and that I could give everybody something of value, right? Because I want to help people. And so that was the first draft of this book. And it was really boring and really dense and just like just very, very, very difficult to read. And what I ended up doing was I turned it into the narrative of my life and went into, okay, all of these things that are in here, how can I tell them through a story and make them palatable and entertaining to people, especially if you're not like a hardcore real estate syndicator, like that original draft of the book would have been probably difficult to read and probably a big snoozer too. You probably would have fallen asleep this way through having some humor and telling stories and still teaching those concepts, but doing it in a, in a more engaging way. Hopefully readers will respond well.
0: Yeah. It's basically like, it's like a backstage tour to syndications and Matt Pichani's life. And so combining those two, I think it's really powerful, you know, how we can learn, especially through storytelling. Thanks. And so one of the concepts that you had mentioned also, and I think especially for newer people trying to get into space, whether or not it's passive or active, it's people are rushing into passive investment, the investment world these days, especially when it comes to syndicated deals. And I think that that's a really important concept because when you find out about this, you're very excited. You're really Wanting to go all your all, and you know it's easy to jump into the first deal that you get your hands on. But can you share with us, you know, why you should actually kind of take a step back and really look at things holistically and not be so in a rush to get into the first deal that you see?
1: Yeah, well, I think that's important with it, with any sort of investment, whether it's the first or you know the hundredth deal. But you're right, that first deal, there's like that excitement and adrenaline. But it is important to make sure that you're vetting these deals properly. Like I know, I Eileen, mean, you have a bunch of checklists on your website that help investors as they're looking at deals. And, and so does this book. The book has in there, I have a, a whole section in the back called the Backstage Toolbox. And in there, I have questions that you can ask about the three deal components. So the way that I look at deals, I, I see that there's three components there's the sponsor, there's the market, and then there's the deal itself. So, you know, when you're looking at the sponsor, you want to make sure that you're aligned from a values perspective. From the market, you want to make sure that it's a good market, that it's a growing market. And then from the deal itself, you want to make sure that it's underwritten properly. And the book goes into more detail on how to look at all of those things. But I do think there are a lot of people who are getting involved in this right now. I do think there are some people who maybe are a little looser with their underwriting than than I tend to be, you know. Uh, so I just want to have a book there that again doesn't tell people what to do. Not, don't do this or don't do that. But just kind of says, hey, you know, look at this thing over here or look behind the curtain over at that thing over there. Make sure you understand where that's coming from. I'll give you a real quick example. I have a group that I've invested with passively. Okay. Some guys that I know, I like them a lot and I invested in one of their deals and their deal was great. I mean, it did really well. I'm very, very happy. And so they had another deal coming up. And so I went and I underwrote it and I looked at it. And just like in this book, I had all these red flags. I ended up getting on the call with one of the sponsors and he answered every one of my questions and so I invested in the deal. Like, okay, that makes everything he answered. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. I understand why you did that. That makes sense. I agree with that. I've, I've had other situations where I've had questions and I've spoken with a sponsor and I didn't feel good with their answers. And so I've chosen not to invest in those. But there are times when you'll, you'll see things that kind of look a little weird and need that little bit of explanation around them for you to feel comfortable.
0: We love hosting this show. A podcast is the best way to do both and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. Yeah, and so other than looking at the deals itself and the sponsors, um, you know, like really trusting your gut at the same time and checking these red flags as you're going through the process, because really something in you tells you if there's something going on or there's something wrong that you need to like follow up on, or you need to, like you said, look more behind the red, behind the curtain and dig deep a little bit more into it. And, you know, like you said, there might be some reasons why, but at the same time, if we understand and really Get behind the curtains for why these decisions are decisions are being made. It can really help us or save us down the line.
1: Yeah, you know, your intuition, your gut can can be a help. It can also be a hindrance. I I have a chapter in the book called Matt's Folly, which was this voice in the back of my head while I was building a a house from from scratch in a lake by uh, up north in Connecticut. And so that was a voice of concern and doubt that I had in my head. Because I had never done it before, and so it was enough for me to listen to it and make sure that I was talking with experts and gathered a team of experts to help me along the way. Had I not done that, I think I would have been in big trouble. But you can also push against that a little bit. You know, it, it, I, there's a fine line there of you know your intuition or your gut kind of warning you and also you don't want to get caught in sort of that analysis paralysis thing you you could you could make yourself scared of every single deal right and and all deals have risk to them right it's this is we're talking about investing in real estate and the real estate market's go up and they can go down and you could lose some money or you could lose all of your money that is a very real possibility Obviously, when you're looking at these deals, you want to try to mitigate that risk as much as possible, but there is risk involved. So you have to be okay with a certain amount of risk and you just try to reduce that risk as much as possible and realize that there's a reward on the other side, but things could go haywire.
0: So for you, as you are as you start to evaluate different deals and you share that with other people as well... What have you decided? Like, because in your book, you also talk about certain specific concepts and different metrics to be focused on. So, why are those particular metrics and those aspects of the deal? Why did you choose those to be like the, the main focus or the things that you mentioned in the book as well?
1: Well, I think that there are inherently some things that you're going to look at in a deal, right? So, there are the assumptions that a sponsor is going to make. And so I want to understand what those assumptions are and understand where that assumption came from. If the assumption came from the sponsor just thinking that that's what it should be, that's a cause of concern for me. But if there's some sort of evidence, um, empirical third party evidence, Preferably, that that's really good. If if you can, if you have a report from you know Yardy or CoStar showing that the population growth has been three percent in this particular submarket for the past ten years, and it looks and they're projecting it's going to stay at that for that next ten years. And then you've underwritten that same two percent then like that makes sense to me. If you're underwriting 5%, then I don't understand why. And I would want to know the reasons behind that. So that's some of the things that we look at is the assumptions. And the other thing we look at is the returns. Somebody just reached out to me recently, somebody who, who I've I've sort of worked with and kind of mentored a little bit and, and has invested in some of my deals. It was actually earlier today that he reached out to me, and he's looking at a new construction deal that he's thinking about investing in. And I have experience as a passive in a, in a new construction. I'd love to do a, a, a new construction as a general partner. It's something I'm looking at doing in the future. But in my experience as a limited partner, you know, I know that that things don't always go as planned. So this particular property is in the entitlements phase. So it's not really fully approved to be built any certain size or any structure. It's, it's needs to get the approvals that can be a risky time to be involved in a deal. And the, the deal that I invested in, I invested in a deal that was in entitlements. I knew the architect who was working on the on the deal. I felt very comfortable with it and with him. And the reward was potentially very, very, very high. COVID came along right at the time we got the entitlements. And it was an option on the land. And we had to sell it, you know, a whole bunch of circumstances. So I ended up doing Pretty darn good on the the deal anyhow, but not not where it was supposed to be. But I I didn't mind the additional risk of that deal because the potential reward, and I thought that it was a reasonable reward, was very high. The particular deal that my friend is looking at right now, he doesn't know the sponsors. He's never dealt with them before. They have no track record at all whatsoever doing any ground-up development, and the reward is not any higher than what I would see on a regular syndicated already existing multifamily deal. So my response was, look, if you feel good about the area and the people and the deal itself, you can do it, but realize there's risk. It's going through entitlements. Like you're not even going to get any cash flow or anything for, you know, let's say it takes six months to go through entitlements, which would be very fast. And then they start the ground up development. Let's say that takes a year. I mean, it's going to take longer. You're looking at like Probably two years before any cash flow. Like, how do you feel about that versus maybe investing in something that's cash flowing day one? So, for me, if I was looking at that particular deal just on the face of it, I would prefer to invest in something that was already existing than a new construction deal that could run into problems in the entitlements phase.
0: So, earlier you had mentioned that as you're writing, putting together the book you had put together a first draft of it that you said was maybe a little bit more dry than what the end final end product was turning out to be. So, you know, through that entire process, you had already invested so much time into putting that first release going into it. What was it that made you decide to start over and make it more the way it is now?
1: The first draft was really easy. The first draft I wrote in a matter of a couple of weeks, I actually dictated it onto my iPhone while I was pacing in my backyard. <laughs> I remember, I definitely remember doing this because it would constantly like turn off and I'd have to start it again. And then I went back through and had to import everything into word and then fix it because it would get certain words wrong. You know, it did its best, but it didn't really take that long, but that's why it was really boring and dry. The process of actually writing, which I'm not really a writer, was grueling and painstaking at first. By the end of the book, I got much better, much more comfortable. I think I found sort of my footing or my voice or whatever. The initial drafts, the first few chapters were really tough. I worked with a writing coach, actually, who I would write a draft, send it over to her. She would take a look at it, mark it up with questions like, Okay, don't really need to know that. You know, just comments like in Word document or tell me more about this or how did that make you feel or you know just sort of pulling it out from me. And then I guess over time, as I did more and more chapters, I started to realize, okay, that's what I got to tell how I feel here. And I want, well, I need to explain more about this thing. And so, but I needed that. I mean, I haven't really written like writing since I guess college in terms of you know writing like a like a chapter of a book. So that was great and then I've started writing blog posts now since that. Since then using a lot of the topics from the book and the concepts from the book but expanding upon them in blog format and I'll be shooting some videos now that will accompany those blogs to just kind of, you know, create more and more hopefully valuable content for passive investors.
0: So what was the driving force to completing the book, even though it was very difficult, it was hard to, there might be some days that were much harder than others, but what was the driving factor to, you know, really push you to keep going forward and complete the book?
1: Well, I just wanted to have the book done. I don't, I, you know, I had already written it and I thought it was good and valuable, but I wanted it to impact more people. So I, you know, in working through that, it was about, you know, just wanting to put a really great piece of work out there in, in the world. And, you know, it it even took longer after that because then I had to go through different rounds of editing and there's like line editing and copy editing. And then there's proofreading. And then there's like the layout. This is video, right? This podcast, this is video podcast, because like, there's all these things that I did in the book that I wanted to make sure like the layout was right. So like, I have like these keystone concepts in here and images and you know, glossaries and stuff. So getting this whole layout to look right, you know, the different images at the beginning of each chapter title, all these kinds of things took a lot of time to get it right. But I really just wanted to put out like something that I was be really proud of. And that would be, you know, a real value to people When they get done, one of the things I did, I went through the whole book and and took every sort of definition of each. There's 60 different real estate terms that I define in the book and then made a glossary at the end. And it tells you like what page it's on. So someone can use this as a reference book and go back. Oh, what was that term? Oh, there's the term. Go back to that page. Read again. So hopefully it's a good learning source for people.
0: Well, I think that it has been, or people are definitely finding this to be very, very valuable. It's very difficult to get to be in the number one bestseller, but you've done it in such a short time. And so it's proof of concept that what you did in this space and what you put and your hard work effort into this book really paid off and people are definitely finding value to it.
1: Well, thanks. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited. It's just today became number one bestseller in the real estate category on Amazon, which is like super, super exciting. I'm a little humbled on it actually, but it's, it's very cool. It's very cool.
0: So Matt, what's next for you after this new release of the book? Is there book number two, part two? Uh, you know, there might be, there may be other backstage guides
1: in the future. That's something that, that we're looking at. I've actually. Um, I worked with a trademark attorney and we trademarked that that term backstage guide. So there may be something in the future, but honestly, after almost two years of working on it, I think I'm just going to work on just enjoying this book and letting people know about this one before I set my sights on anything else. Uh, But you never know what's going to happen in the future.
0: So, everyone, if you're able to pick up a copy of Backstage Guide to Real Estate by Matt Piceni, and definitely check that out. And, Matt, if our listeners also wanted to find out more about you and, you know, if they haven't got a chance to pick up the book yet, but wanted to reach out and find out more about you, where's the best place that they can go?
1: Well, I'll tell you this, uh, for your listeners, if you're hearing this before February 9th, 2022, the book is in pre-order and it's on a major, major discount. So if you are interested in the book, you might want to check it out sooner rather than later. And you can find out my book, my blog, my podcast. I send out a newsletter every month that has tons of investor tips and educational material. All of that lives on my website. And that's at Pacheni.com. P like in Peter, I-C-H-E e
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for your time, Matt, and congratulations on the success and the release of this book. I think it's going to go really far and I think a lot of people, well, people are already finding a lot of value with it. So congratulations, Matt.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate it.
0: And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to BonifaceCapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.